CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. Hopefully you're getting everything wrapped up in these last couple of days of 2022. And uh, again, so many things going on in the world. Boy, it's a good thing that we know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, I pray that by the end of the program, you'll consider him in your life. Because you know there's no other hope for mankind. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events, what we hear in church. When you read your Bible, you got a question, someone to talk to. Somebody asks you a question, you've got somebody to ask as well. Well, that number to call, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call, and you can be part of the program today. Got a couple lines open, as a matter of fact. Joining me today, special guest, featured speaker Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas and also follows this program, oh, about an hour, with a program called Livewire, and uh, recorded from church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and Sunday night. Hi, and welcome, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Good to be with you. And Because, by the way, it's hardwired, but that, no big deal. You, you, you got close. What did I say? <laughs> Livewire, <laughs> which I hope that's true, too. We, we do want to come over with life, but yeah. we're called hardwired. And uh, so you were close, easy to miss, but good to be with you. And um, if some of the folks are looking to find us on Facebook or any other video platform, um, you guys have had a faux pas there or something going on where I can't come in uh, video-wise. So I'm on uh, phone only, but that's good enough because we can still answer the great Bible questions that come in each and every day. Looking forward to a great show, and you're right, Mike. Um, I don't know. You know, I've tried to think, what would, how would I be dealing with things if I did not have a vertical perspective? Oh, In man. other words, an upward perspective. I mean, if, if all you had was the horizontal view of the world and life and men and these horrific circumstances and things happening around us, this moral anarchy, you know, just the craziness and the, you know, all that's happening to our country. If, if all you had was a horizontal perspective without being able to take a vertical perspective and look up and trust that Christ is in control and that he is the source of all wisdom and guidance and comfort and peace. I don't know, Mike. Um, it helps you understand why so many are drinking themselves to death or drugging themselves to death or whatever it takes to numb the conscience and the thoughts these days, because, you know, as Christ said, in the last days, men's hearts will literally be failing them for fear of what is coming upon the earth. And I think, Mike, we're we're there. Yeah, well, and I certainly don't think it's as bad as it's going to get. But Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. And I I believe that we're absolutely in the place of beginning to see these things happen. Uh, we see um, a collapse in our own government. We see our borders overran and encouraged to be overran by the Democratic Party. 
Uh, this ends any nation. If you study history, you'll find that the Roman Empire was never conquered. Its borders were overran. Sound familiar? Well, I think they're just reading because they want a communist, globalist America. And uh, again, you've got to destroy America to do it. And what better way to do it than letting your borders get overran? There isn't a, uh, anybody along the southern border, Texas, Arizona, that uh, are not reeling under the problem of this, overwhelming everything. And when you try to stop it, as the governor of Arizona did by putting up uh, uh, those um, shipping containers to at least give some barrier, oh, they were told by our government to take it down. Who's controlling our government right now? Do you know in World War II, right now, the Democratic Party that's encouraging this would all be rounded up and put in concentration camps? Because Japan wanted to over, they wanted to overwhelm America and invade America. Wow, we're being invaded and no one cares. Just what's important, really, Jeff, is who's dancing with the stars or Fool Me Again or some <laughs> other wonderful evening sitcom that numbs us from the real decay of what's happening. You know, there's America's no excuse. Got talent. Yeah, America's got talent. America yeah, doesn't well, have any America doesn't have any real politicians. I know that. And people yeah. say, well, they're you know, elected was, they're elected officials. For who? Guatemala? Yeah. yeah. Some things that make you go We were, we were noticing this week, Mike, that uh, you know, Governor Abbott once again uh, from Texas sent uh, three busloads of illegal immigrants to uh, essentially the front doorstep of Vice President Kamala Harris. And, boy, you would have thought that he sent uh, three busloads of people with the Black Plague. And, uh, oh, how the newspapers like the Washington Post and the New York Times and all the liberal media outlets decried what he did and called it cruel. And the White House came out and said it was a cheap joke and so cruel to these illegal immigrants. But never mind that they are freezing to death on the other side, on this side of the border, that they're drowning, that they're sleeping in the pasture lands of Americans that own the land. And uh, little children are freezing out in the open fields and uh, without medical care, without anything at all. And yet to send three busloads to Washington is cruel. I know, I know. But see, th- this th- they just want America destroyed. They don't care how they do it. Cheat in elections, moral uh, depravity in our nation, whatever it takes, just get America destroyed. That's what they're about. And they do it in their red, white, and blue newsrooms every night at 6 o'clock, making you think that they're really telling you the news. Meanwhile, they're lying through their teeth because they will not tell you the whole truth. They only tell you enough to bring you to the wrong conclusion. Friends, we are in an age of deception. The Bible says the devil is the father of all lies. And when you stop to really look at this logically, how much, how much immigration can any nation handle? We already have housing prices so high that kids from America can't afford to buy a house when they get out of high school and get a job. Now add millions and millions and millions of more people. Our infrastructure can handle that. You see, 
There was nothing wrong with our immigration laws. Again, it was the federal government that caused the problem by not enforcing the laws, now taking these insane steps to, in some way, make it better. Well, again, $1.7 trillion spent in the omnibus package that was just passed. Oh, friends, every single element of that omnibus is illegal because you cannot pass a spending bill that goes into the next session of Congress. It's in the Constitution. So we're going to see what happens here. But, man, I'll tell you something. When every single one of those elements in there, funding for military, uh, funding for for uh, FEMA and these other groups, every one of those should have been examined individually. But this was a rush, rush thing through in, in eight days, you know, and, and uh, prayerfully this will be brought before the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court has already said they can't do it. But uh, I think, you know, who knows? I mean, you see the insane stuff that happened in Arizona at the voting booths. This is why Carrie Lake is so upset. Anybody would be, and especially the voters of Arizona that weren't allowed to vote because they were moved around. And of course, it doesn't really matter who votes anymore. The mail-in ballots make cheating so easy. How how many more votes do we need? Oh, the the race is so close, and and uh, you know the the elections were over last night. How many more votes do we need? Uh, Eleven thousand. Okay, coming right up, and they just pull out the mail in ballots, check the box, and that's who wins. Friends, this is what's happening. This isn't conspiracy. This is fact. And do you know what? The American news media, in their dishonest, snaky way of doing things won't tell you the truth. We have people that call CSN here, our network, and said, I got nine mail-in ballots in my mailbox. One guy said, I got several. I got one at my house, one at my father's house in my name. Man, when you stop to look at this, how much do you have to do this to prove the election was thrown? Friends, this isn't oopsie. Hey, listen, How many lies you got to tell to be a liar? Just one. How many mailboxes with nine mail-in ballots do you have to prove there was voting irregularities? Just one. There are thousands and thousands of these. No, I think Carrie Lake ought to stand her ground. And again, uh, we understand that it's um, right versus wrong right now. And uh, again, when you have a party, though, that kills babies, Jeff, I don't know. Is there any conscience left in these people? Um, You know, uh, that's for me easy to answer in that if it were me and I was just fine with a late-term baby being killed or any baby in the womb, you know, think about this, Mike. This occurred to me that an unborn baby was the first human being to recognize who Jesus was. I know. I leaped because, inside of of, of yeah, Elizabeth he, at the mention of Jesus' name. Yes, and he, he was six months. Elizabeth was six months along, so she was just beginning her third trimester. John the Baptist in her womb, and when Mary, who had already experienced the miraculous conception, and was pregnant with Christ, when she said hello, the babe in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist leaped. So an unborn baby was the 
first human to recognize Jesus once he was conceived. Wow. That's true. An unborn baby. Yeah. Recognize it and before yet, anybody days, else. <laughs> yeah, aborting a six month uh, a six month child from the womb these days, no big deal. But that six month child, six month a long child in her womb was able to recognize and respond to Christ. I know it's it, really think it's about. incredible. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go to the phone, and we have Ron on the line, Prescott, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Good afternoon, uh, Pastors uh, Mike and Jeff. When do the two witnesses begin their ministry, Revelation chapter 11, verse 3? Okay, Jeff, your thoughts. Well, they begin halfway through the tribulation, and the key verse is Revelation 11, 2. Uh, John is instructed, but the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. Now, it's talking about the temple there. Take note of that. And, and it's the tribulation period. This is Revelation 11. And measure it not, for it is given to the Gentiles and the holy city. Uh, shall they tread underfoot for 40 and two months? So that's three and a half years. And then verse 3 comes the two witnesses. I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, uh, clothed in sackcloth. So it would appear to me uh, that and we know that the, that uh, the beast that comes out of the pit, that is Antichrist, is the one who finally prevails against them and murders them. And yet, three days later, they stand up from the dead in front of the eyes of the entire world and ascend back into heaven leaving the world in a state of shock. So it would seem to me they are ministering about halfway through the tribulation period. That's what it appears to me, too. Now, that doesn't mean they may not necessarily be known before, but it seems that that's when their ministry really comes to light, um, uh, somewhere around there. It doesn't say exactly when they begin, Um but we do know the 144,000 appear to be right there, uh, right at the very beginning of the tribulation period. And I believe that, again, God is not without a witness. So you have the uh, church being in heaven, Revelation 4 and 5. Then you have uh, the 144,000 Jews, chapter 7. And it may very well be that they'll be present as well uh, or pretty close to that. I hope that helps. Uh, thank you, pastors. I, I've read a lot of commentaries where uh, pastors uh, say that they begin their ministry at the beginning, and it doesn't make sense to me. Well, we don't find any record of that. And and so I want to be very careful, uh, and I know, Jeff, all my guests that I have with me, there's a lot of things we can say that can be surmised, but if it doesn't exactly say it, there's an old wise saying where the Bible's silent, best to remain silent. And I believe mm-hmm. that that is a, a wise thing because it doesn't say, the, you know, the 144,000, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, list the name, and the two prophets, and the angels flying through the midst of heaven. No, these appear through the book of Revelation. And I believe it may very well be that way. And again, remember, the book of Revelation was not written to scare Christians to death. It was written to help those who are Christians, who become Christians, I believe personally, 
not only to reveal to us who Jesus Christ is, not just the Jesus that we see in the Christian bookstores holding the little lambs, but a, but a, a, a Jesus that's going to rule with a rod of iron. That's who he is and how he executes judgments on this earth. But it's to help those who accept Christ during the tribulation period, knowing that their life is going to be required for them most likely to be saved. In other words, they will be martyrs. Now, I wouldn't want to be a martyr for a myth. But when you have this book so accurately laid out in sequence, in other words, you're going to know what the very next event's going to be, I believe is going to be great encouragement for those who are going to be challenged to lay their life down for the relationship with Christ. And so it helps those in the tribulation navigate through the worst time, the Bible says, in the history of this world. No, everybody, it's not the dawn of the age of Aquarius. No, it's not John Lennon's song, Sharing All the World. Oh, you may say I'm a dreamer. Yes, you certainly are. Because if you read the Bible, you'd know that it's the worst time in the history of the world that yet awaits man. And I personally believe it's not that far away. Ron, I hope that helps. Thank you much, pastors. God bless you, Ron. Keep reading. Always good. Stay in line if you didn't get the uh, movie Jesus. We'll get that out to you. And let's go to Steve, Rimrock, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Good. Um, hey, I want. I, I had a question for you, but uh, I, I just wanted to reiterate about uh, uh, the uh, that that uh, uh, the two witnesses. Uh, to me, they have to be. They have to be right right at the beginning of the tribulation because the church is going to be gone because the church cannot come under the wrath of the Lamb, and. Right. It certainly can't have the wrath of the lamb coming down upon the bride. There's no possible way. And I can't believe how many people just can't seem to understand that, that that's why God has to take us out, because we are under the grace of God Almighty, and his wrath can never come upon us, not one second of it. Yeah, and real, it's something, Steve, that we, you want to remember, too, and everybody, we've had a lot of things go on in this world. The Second World War, First World War, we've seen the, the atrocities down through the history of, of time, even up till today, what's going on in Uganda and these other countries around the world. Uh, and, and, and we see that. That's brought on by Satan, directly. We know the Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. But the period of the time of the tribulation, these are orchestrated not by the devil, but by God himself. And I believe this is why it's so important to understand. Now, you mentioned earlier that they have to be there in the beginning. Again, the Bible doesn't say that, but the 144,000 Jews are. And they may very well be that that part that continues to minister. And then somewhere, the the two witnesses come on the scene and somewhere the angels, and we know that it will be after the three and a half year or during the three and a half year mark, um, the angels appear warning people of the earth not to take the mark of the beast. Very clear, no way around it. And so, um, Steve, I, I hope that clears that up. What's your question? Okay. On, on the uh, seven churches that, uh, represent all the churches of the world. Okay, those 
the things about those churches are very prophetic in in the last days, are are they not? Like, absolutely. It seems to me that Philadelphia and the Church of Smyrna they have no rebuke whatsoever. But the Church of Smyrna somehow there's going to be a ten day period where people are going to be fearing for their lives. But Jesus says, "Don't worry." But for the Church of Brotherly Love of Philadelphia, there is nothing uh, showing that's going to happen with them. But the rest of the churches, there are things that uh, are going on, and I'm just thinking people need to really think about the churches that they're going to. Uh, I myself, I go to a total Bible-believing church that they uh, they uh, go through a whole book. Uh, through uh, We were in, a, in uh, uh, oh, uh, Isaiah, and we were in that book for a year and a half, and it was one of the greatest studies I ever got to do right there in church every Sunday. Yeah. No, I, I agree, Steve. It's, it's, it's really important. Uh, first of all, we have the seven churches. I believe they existed when, when John wrote this book, instructed by Jesus Christ, sent out to the churches. I also believe it is the history of the church, and it follows perfectly to the evangelical church at large through the history of ages, winding up with the church of Laodicea, the church that's self-satisfied, having need of nothing. The Bible says in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away. Why? They have need of nothing. And so I believe that it's a picture of the history of the church. And then, of course, these churches are all in existence today in one way or another. And we can see those that are just, they, they really don't preach the gospel. They just say, use your magic faith words and get what you want. God is your heavenly Santa Claus. Blab it and grab it. You know, kind of, kind of insane stuff. It's no longer, no longer I live, but Christ who lives within me. Uh, it's no longer thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's my kingdom come, my will be done. And I have those magic faith words to make it all shake down. I think that's the danger. And and I and I think that we find that today, and we find now you go into many churches, they don't even open the Bible. They they they're all about motivational speaking and you know positive confession and how to get what you want and how to climb to the top and you know all these life coach ideas that come out rather than really telling people as Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. No, we don't do that. At least the Philadelphian church was doing that. But I think as it goes along more and more, the Bible says when Christ comes, will he find faith on the earth? I don't believe that's speaking of the second coming of Christ. I believe that's come, that verse is speaking of the rapture of the church. Because we have people having faith in what they want, but not in Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I'm crucified with him. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really believe these uh, seven churches and two and three of Revelations are, uh, it's a multi-pronged message that you get from them. Uh, for instance, first and foremost, they did exist in John's day. And uh, so it was a prophetic word from the Lord Jesus himself, who with every one of them said the searching words, I know your works." In other words, I know exactly what's going on in your church. Now, for me as a pastor, when I read that, that's one of the things that speaks to me, because I think what was in all seven of these churches, for good or for bad, are, are realities for churches today. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I know 
a lot of churches have lost their first love. Uh, but that was the first church, Ephesus. Uh, there's churches that have uh, opened the door for uh, false cults and false messages, like, uh, you know, Jesus addressed uh, the church that had the problem with the Nicolaitans. They had agreed, they had received the false message of the Nicolaitans and the doctrine of Balaam. And um, then, of course, Laodicea, a total focus on materialism and riches. You say that you are rich and have need of nothing. And so what were they saying? We're loaded with money. We've got all kinds of money. When they said we are rich, they weren't talking about spiritual riches. They were saying we are materially rich. And so therefore, we don't need anything. We're good. Because materialism is what it's all about. Of course, Jesus said you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. You don't even know your true spiritual condition. So for me, uh, they, they did exist. And there is a message in every one of those churches for us today. Did they represent seven phases the church went through historically? They could. But I think all churches historically have been in danger of losing their first love or being taken by cultish uh, doctrine or focusing too much on money. So for me, those seven churches are more like, okay, as I read about these churches and then I compare them to my own church, is there anything in my church I need to clean up? Are we doing any of the things in these churches that are nailed by Jesus and called wrong? Do we still have our first love? Are we doing the former works? Um, are we focusing too much on money? You know, are we keeping our noses clean morally? Uh, all the things that Jesus addressed in these churches are, are instructive for us today, and that's pretty much the way I see them, Steve. Hope that helps. Hey, that's fantastic, Mike. I, I appreciate you guys so much, man. I, I, I really, really do. And and I couldn't agree with I and, and I'm so glad you talk about the politics going on, because you know what? Uh, we're, we're to be involved in that. And, and I hate to say it, but man, to think how many Christians think abortion, homosexuality, all these things are OK. It's OK not to vote. Why should you participate in the world? What garbage? And uh, I'll well, tell you, uh, believe me, I get criticized a lot for it. So uh, but, you know, again, this is what I tell people who in the Bible did not get involved with politics. You go, what? That's right. Elijah um, uh, came against uh, 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 Ahab and, and Jezebel. Uh, we find uh John the Baptist came against Herod saying you shouldn't have your brother's wife. No, we always have to stand up for what's right. Steve, stay in line. We'll get you out the movie Jesus coming up on a break. We'll be right back. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join. 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up. Before December 31st, 
Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE, 855-91-BIBLE. As the days grow darker, children are under more attack than ever, and it starts at conception. Sadly, one in five pregnancies will end in abortion. But in the midst of this awful tragedy, there is something you can do about it. Preborn Pregnancy Clinic's mission is to equip pregnancy centers nationwide to help save babies' lives lives and souls and every day preborn clinics rescue 150 babies lives by introducing mothers to their babies on ultrasound that ultrasound changed everything for me it really did that made it all worthwhile to know that i was going to have a little blessing and when she got here it was just oh my gosh Preborn Clinics are the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing moms to their preborn babies. To learn how you can help rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. you back to part two of to every man and answer here on this Wednesday with Jeff Wickwire from uh, Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And he has the program Hardwired that comes on uh, after this one about an hour. And so I want to encourage you to tune into that. And uh, Jeff, it's always a blessing to have you with us. I'm glad you're here today. Thank you, Mike. It's always a joy to be with you as well and to answer these great questions. You know, people are hungry to understand the Bible like never before. So much deception, as you said, is out there. You think of Matthew 24 when they said, Jesus, what's the sign of your return? First thing he said, beware lest any man deceive you. And he said it four times in one chapter, warned about deception. So that's the day we live in. That's why we need such clarity in the scriptures. Amen. And so, uh, again, read your Bible. Know what the Bible has to say. Let's go back to the phones. We have Elsie on the line, Oklahoma. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you guys? Good. How may we help? Yes, um, I work at Walmart in the automotive area, and there is a transgender who works there from another department, and I know he's a male. I've seen um, how the surgery has taken over. I've gotten into trouble for calling him sir, and I was pulled into the office and talked to very sternly about how I'm not supposed to do that. I said, you guys, this is hate speech against me for what I believe. And if I say that this is okay, I'm saying that it's okay for them to uh, mutilate children. And if I say that this is okay, then um, who's going to pay for the aid and everything like that? And um, who's going to... And I also turned it on... Um, the Bible, and they say, well, you're not supposed to judge. I said, the Bible says we have righteous judgment, and the Bible says that um, God defined people as male and female all through the Bible, and we are to love God first before everybody else. Otherwise, uh, then everything will fall into place. So I need prayer for safety. Um, They're worried about shootings. That's why they want to silence me also. 
but then since I work in the automotive area, they won't give me a walkie at night. So I feel very unprotected. And uh, once I stated all these Bible verses on how we are supposed to um, live by every word out of the mouth of God, uh, they said, well, we don't want to talk Bible with you anymore. But they said, you just don't do it. So I think they may be looking to fire me. I am 62. I need to uh, find another job or, um, I don't know, I just need prayer for peace. Well, you can always call them, hey, you. Maybe that's the best way to do it. Your thoughts, Jeff? Well, we we live in such a difficult hour that's getting worse all the time, particularly through the transgender uh, issues uh, that have just become so prevalent. And we're talking about, you know, catering to the demands of a tiny percentage of the nation, tiny uh, percentage. And, you know, it's one thing, you know, if you want to do that to yourself and live that lie, that's one thing. If, if you want to do it in your private life, the privacy of your home, um, that's, that's between you and God. But now the culture has taken the turn, and that being not only are others forced to accept it, but also to lie, because that's really what they're demanding that we do. See, I don't believe for a minute that a man, no matter what you do to your body, and I'm talking scientifically, I'm talking physiologically, I'm talking about the way that men are wired, DNA, genetics, everything. You cannot, no matter what you do, literally, truly change a man into a woman. You can mutilate the body. You can put on clothes that are feminine. But you cannot say you will always have testosterone. You will always be stronger. You will always be male. That's the way God made you. So if somebody is demanding that I address such a person with a female pronoun, then I am literally being forced to lie. And there you come into a conscience problem. Because now you're asking me, which the Bible says, if I lie, it's a sin. It's one of the seven things God hates, is to lie. So our culture now is literally forcing us to tell a lie. Because if I've got to call you she and you're he, and you're making me do it at risk of losing my job, then you're demanding that I tell a lie. And I cannot go against my conscience. I cannot sin to please the demands of men. Now, I'll tell you, Elsie, my heart goes out to you. And my heart goes out to not just you because you represent thousands and thousands of Americans, and the number is growing exponentially by the day, who are being told, if you don't go along with this, you're going to lose your job, your reputation, in some places, your freedom. You can literally be thrown in jail, accused of a hate crime, because you won't call a he, she. And so this is, this is, uh, these are the battle lines being drawn. And Elsie, you, you have a decision in front of you. I, I 
you know, we want to pray for you before you go, because this is now you're being forced as a Christian to go against your conscience. And this is what is going to be happening more and more and more. I truly believe that the persecution that is increasing against the church, it's not going to come against the church for preaching Christ. That's not where the most ferocious persecution is going to come from. It's going to come from this whole moral anarchy that is happening in our country, where the persecution is going to come from people who are saying the church isn't walking in love, isn't being Christian, isn't representing Christ, and uh, therefore we deserve what we get. The worst persecution is going to come from this particular sector of America, I believe. So, Elsie, we're going to pray for you. Amen. Uh, you know, those that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And my dear, you are there. Let's pray for her, okay? Go ahead, Jeff. Yes. Lord, we just give Elsie to you. Lord, she's faced with being forced to go against her Christian conscience, her Christian convictions. And Lord, this is completely wrong. It goes against the First Amendment. It goes against our constitutional rights as well as our rights uh, under God. Uh, our Christian rights to stand for what we believe is true and right. And, Lord, what somebody does in their private life, as you know, Lord, is, is their business. But now, Lord, much of the church, more and more, are being forced to lie and to break their conscience. So, Lord, be with Elsie and the thousands that Elsie represents. We pray for grace and boldness and inner strength to come upon the church in these days that are growing darker, these days when our country, Lord, is slipping into absolute moral anarchy. Lord, help us to stand for truth, have to pay some ultimate price like Elsie. Lord, strengthen her. Show her what to do. Give her wisdom. Speak to her. Guide her. For, Lord, we need your wisdom in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, again, Elsie, our, our heart goes out to you. Uh, if they do give you any trouble, fire you or anything, uh, please let us know, and we'll hook you up with Pacific Justice Institute. You know, amen. I would say if it goes to, uh, if you force it to a court, hey, I'll call the person whatever their DNA says they are. If they're a woman, I will call them a woman. It doesn't matter what they look like. If they're a man, I'll call them a man, no matter what they look like. What does your DNA say you are? That's what you are. I don't care how much lipstick you put on. I don't care how many dresses or how many pairs of pants. It doesn't make any difference. And this idea of your sexuality changes by the hour. Huh, today I feel like a woman. I think I'll go in the girl's bathroom. Tomorrow I might feel like a man. I'll go in the man's bathroom. That's what they're trying to say to everybody. Pure, hardcore insanity. That's what it Your is. DNA tells you what you are. And God said what you are. He created them male and female. Now, again, this is a problem for many people. But again... It isn't your, your, what you are isn't determined by the clothes you wear. What you are is determined by your DNA. Hey, listen, let's, let's approach this scientifically instead of through all the emotional babaloo that we hear today. 
I think a lot of things would clear up real fast. Hope that helps, Elsie. And like, let us know. Like again, the um, Center for uh, the uh, ACL uh, Pacific Justice Institute, Pacific Justice with, Institute Brad. with Brad will be of great help for you. All you need to do is just let us know. Okay. 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 Sounds good. All right, dear. Keep letting your light shine and just call him um, you. You know, I mean, hey, you, come here. You know, um, well, that's disrespectful. Well, I don't know what you feel like you are today, and I can't keep track of your diary, so I'm just going to call you you. All right? Anyway, Elsie, I hope that helps. Blessings to you, dear. That's what I'd do. I don't know. You got to do what God tells you to do. Oh, I'll tell you, Jeff. Who would ever dream? Who would ever dream you'd have those kind of questions? You know, let's go to you know, Ty. Of, yeah, yeah. You well, let's go to Ty, Portland, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Good evening, pastors. I have a, a nice uh, question for you, or hopefully, it's a good question. Uh, so, one of the times a while back when I was at church, I was uh, listening to a sermon. We had a great uh, pastor that really dug into the Bible. I was really happy with him. Um, this particular sermon was about Abraham um, and the history of the time that he went to sacrifice uh, Isaac. Our pastor made a great observation about how the entire story mirrored Christ's sacrifice, including tracing out the Bible. Um, he even pointed to the fact that um, uh, when it was traced out, the hill that Abraham was on, it was actually the hill that, that Jesus was later sacrificed on. Um, now, the and that's part of why it took three days instead of, you know, a day or it was just over the, over the hill a few miles away from where he was at. Um, so our pastor said that in Genesis twenty two fourteen that when Abraham named the, the mountain on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It really meant, um, or that it was meaning or pointing to, on the mountain of the Lord, uh, God would provide himself a sacrifice. And that's why Jesus said uh, in uh, John eight fifty six that um, Abraham uh, rejoiced that he that he would see Jesus' day, and he, he saw it, and he was glad uh, because he understood that um, God would be the sacrifice. So is, is there any merit to that? I wanted to find out. It's a possibility. Many people attribute it much earlier than that to Genesis chapter 14, where in the return of the slaughter of the kings, Chetalama and everything, uh, he met um, uh, the king of Salem. It means king of peace. And then we find in Hebrews uh, it says, consider what kind of person this is, without father, without mother, without beginning of days, nor end of days, but like unto the Son of God. I don't know anybody that didn't have a mother or a father. I didn't know anybody that didn't have a beginning or end. And yet that's what the, these these attributes are attributed in Hebrew to the prince of Salem that Abraham meant. Now, he says he met him, saw him, and was glad. I think Abraham had many close encounters with really theophanies of Christ in the Old Testament, I think that possibly could be one. I wouldn't say it was the only one, but certainly we we find uh, Genesis 14 is absolutely a viable uh, possibility. Your thoughts? Yeah, in Genesis 22, 14, you're referring to, Ty, it says, now the the context, of course, is he has uh, just laid Isaac down on the altar on the top of the mountain, he's raised a knife to slay him according to the direction of God, and an angel stops him, and uh, Isaac's life is spared. And, of course, that is where uh, Abraham was declared righteous by faith, because he believed God. And um, so 
there, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mouth of the Lord, it shall be seen. And it's important to note here that that's a, a future tense as well as a description of God being our provider, uh, Jehovah Jireh, in the mouth of in in the mouth of the Lord. Okay, we know Jesus died on Mount Calvary. Uh, in the mouth of the Lord, it shall be seen. Well, what's the it? His provision, because Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there was a ram caught in a thicket just a stone's throw away from him, and God provided a sacrifice in place of Isaac. So anyway, the, the whole idea being that when Abraham said, in the mount of the Lord shall be seen, he had received an understanding of Messiah and that the Messiah would come. So in, for instance, John 8, and um, let's see, right around 56, it says, Uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Well, when did he see the day of Christ, or when did he see the coming of Christ? Well, as as Mike said, it could have been through through Melchizedek, but particularly we have this description of Abraham receiving a revelation on the mount where he was about to sacrifice his son. And when God stopped him and provided a sacrifice, Abraham said, all right, God is a provider, but he will provide. In the Mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So I believe this is what Jesus was referring to in John 8, 56, when he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. I believe he saw it right there, and that's why Hebrews tells us Abraham and all of the patriarchs and the people of faith in the Old Testament died in faith, not having received the full promise, God having provided some better thing for us, meaning in the new covenant, that they without us should not be made perfect. So everybody in the Old Testament that was a person of God, a woman of God, man of God, died in faith that in the mount of the Lord it was going to be seen. God was going to provide the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of mankind. I think that's what was going on here, Ty. Hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, brothers. Have a good day. Blessings to you, Ty. Stay online if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs. With that, we'll go to Gail, Gillette, Wyoming. Hi, welcome. Oh, hi. Um, First of all, I just wanted to thank you guys for your ministry. But also, uh, Mike, my son listened to you for, he's 34 now, he's listened to you for 20 years or oh more. And it was really, he would come to my classroom after school, and we always had it on, and in the car we had it on, and it, it really was a powerful uh, instrument for him coming to know Christ and uh, to get a lot of solid Bible teaching. So thank you very much. Well, God's good, and I'm glad that the Lord allows us all to do what we do for Him. And again, the, one of the good things, Gail, about listening to Every Man Answer, many of the skeptics that pose questions to Christians that call in and ask us about those questions, we try to give them good answers, defense for our faith, so that not only does their question not affect us, but that, in fact, the answer 
really troubles them. And that is what I think is always really good uh, by by doing that. So when skeptics ask a question, uh, we're not only thinking that's going to rattle our faith or cause doubt in our relationship with God or the Bible. In turn, we can give them an answer that rattles them to the core. And I think that's what's really, really wonderful about all of us doing this together. Everything we do here, all of us believers across America, around the world, uh, that's what we do here. Uh, and Lord willing, we'll do it till we can't do it anymore. But um, you know, me, I got to say, go that, Mike, uh, you know, Gail, um, what you said, that testimony is very powerful. You know, Mike would be the first to say, we don't lift up any man, and, and we don't. However, uh, Mike, how long have you been doing this show? Um, oh, 30 years? How long? Probably 30 years. So yeah. Mike goes all the way back 30 years doing to every man and answer. So you have to stop and think. It's got to be in the millions over all that time that have listened to Bible questions being answered on this show, Mike uh, being at the helm. And uh, I'm new to this dance. I haven't been doing it near as long. Uh, but that's a long time of faithfulness. And, you know, Mike, I just think it's an incredible testimony that here is a young man who 20 years ago began to get answers from this show as you and the others that were with you gave them. And now you've got this uh, result in this young man that has, to this day, a real hunger for the Word. So that's, that's a testimony to your labor. And, um, you know, it's uh, I'm sure there are probably thousands of people who would say the same thing. So nobody else will say it, but I'll just toot your horn a little bit and just say, you know, that's a long time to be faithful. And, uh, of course, that's what God has called us to do. But it's it's a powerful testimony. I remember it's a funny story. Ten year, I, I, I was talking with a friend of mine, a pastor up in Boise, and uh, the church here was ten years old, and uh, he just started his church. It was, he was probably a church for about six years, and he said, "Now, how long you been doing that as a pastor? Uh, you know, being a pastor of the church." And I said, "Oh, ten years." And he goes. Wow, 10 years is a long time to do anything, <laughs> let alone 30. So anyway, but yeah. uh, no, Gail, I, I'm really pleased and glad that that uh, God uh, uh, touched your son that way. And uh, again, we just want to just keep doing what we do for Jesus, all of us, because we're all in it together. So, Gail, how can we help? Well, thank you so much. Um, it's a, a question that came up. Um, all, all my adult life, as I've thought about the 144,000, I just assumed they were Jewish, uh, Israeli Jews. But, you know, as I thought, only about half of the Jewish population uh, is in Israel. The other half is spread around. And I thought, well, when the 144,000 come, will there be a few in Milwaukee or a few in um, Rapid City or Boise or are they all going to be in Israel when they become touched by the Holy Spirit and sealed and become super evangelists? Will there be some of those in other places other than Israel? Well, Revelation chapter 7 clearly says they are Jews. They are from the 12 tribes of Israel. It doesn't say that they are in the borders of Israel, interestingly enough, to answer part of your question. But it says they are Jews, they're 144,000, they are male, and they're virgins. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, and here's another example of where the Bible is silent. It doesn't really specifically say they cover the earth. I have always assumed that either personally or via mass media, their ministry touched the earth because they are recognized, that they appear in Revelation 7 right after the uh, presentation of the four horsemen and the tribulation has actually begun. So um, I've always assumed that somehow, some way, their message did reach the world and not just Israel. Uh, if you looked at 144,000 people, men, preaching, they would cover Israel pretty quickly. But the rest of the world, that would be a good number. So, again, all we can do is surmise. There's nothing particularly clear about it. But I've always assumed that they somehow did touch the world. And I, I do believe they do touch the world. I, I think that's part of why they're here, just as the church universal is everywhere. Uh, and and uh, I, I don't think God is without a witness. Uh, I do believe they're divinely protected, thus the seal on their forehead that we find. Now, of course, the Antichrist comes out with the counterfeit seal in Revelation chapter 13, that you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark, the name, or the number on your hand or on your forehead. But God puts a seal on these 144,000 Jews, and I believe it's probably so the world does recognize who they are, um, and probably being very much divinely protected, and not probably all within the borders of Israel. I believe they'll probably be universal. So, Gail, I hope that sheds some light on it for you. Yes, thank you both so much. Stay in line, and I'll send you out uh, uh, the God of Wonders, Evolution versus God, uh, the new movie, the movie Jesus, out of the book of Luke, and then um, uh, uh, a little book called Time to Grow and 101 Last Days Prophecies. Gail, Happy New Year to you. You too. God bless you, dear. Thanks so much. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Al in Pennsylvania. We're almost out of time. How can we help? I'm just seeking prayer for my friend Greg. He's slipped back into an old habit of, of huffing uh, solvents and stuff. And I don't think he knows the Lord. Well, let's pray for him right now. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Would you bind Satan from this man's mind and thoughts that he would see the great opportunity he has to have his sins forgiven and to be healed? Father, that you will have him and cause mm -hmm. him to find no satisfaction in huffing solvents. Or anything else, but Lord, that he would turn to you with his whole heart. Give out the right words to say to him in Jesus' name. Amen. Al, stay in line. We'll send you out some books and DVDs. We're all out of time. Thanks, Jeff, for being on the program. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. Always Great a show. blessing to be with you. Look forward to being back. Remember, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. God bless you. Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A.
To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 